As the COVID-19 pandemic progresses, social scientists and economists are delving into how the last two years have affected gender. Women and men have experienced the pandemic differently, but in which ways? The pandemic has cost lives and livelihoods. It has put enormous pressure on global health, wealth, and well-being. But even though everyone went through it together, the consequences and outcomes of the pandemic were not the same for everyone. COVID has made pre-existing inequalities worse, but to what extent and how needs to be better understood to ensure that the policy response now and in the future can be effective and reach those in most need. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Poverty Podcast. I am your host, Mel Fleury. Today, I'm joined by Miriam Miller, a social scientist in the Poverty and Equity Global Practice, and Javier Romero, an economist working in the Poverty and Equity Practice for Latin America and the Caribbean and the Gender Innovation Lab of the region. They join us to tell us what we have learned so far about how COVID has affected men and women differently across the different dimensions of gender equality. Our discussion today is based on Miriam's paper, Gender and COVID-19, What Have We Learned a Year Later? And Javier's paper, The Gendered Impacts of COVID-19 on Labor Markets in Latin America and the Caribbean. Miriam based her research on a review of global evidence with respect to gender and COVID, while Javier based his research on analysis of household monitoring phone survey data in LAC. Miriam, Javier, thank you very much for joining us today. So turning to you, Miriam, how has COVID-19 affected men and women differently? We looked at educational health, economic opportunities, and then um, agency or the power to make decisions. And I think in a summary sentence, you could say that men have been more likely to lose their lives from COVID, but women have really lost out more than men in terms of jobs, income, safety. So very briefly, if you looked at health, men have been really the net losers. So both death rates, infection rates have been systematically higher among men than women across countries and regions. Um, in certain contexts, the exposure to infection may be really predetermined a little bit by the societal roles that women and men play. So what are the social norms? What are the gender norms um, in those countries within where w women and men socialize, where they how much they um, they're present in the public space, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think social social norms, uh, gender roles largely influence also um, what we observe. But your paper also shows that although men suffered more with direct health outcomes from COVID nineteen, women's health suffered in different ways. Stress, worry, psychological consequences have been really more common among women in countries where we have the data. So in some countries, Armenia, Pakistan, I recall, and Senegal, um, data was collected on these aspects and it was very obviously pointing towards the direction that women's health in those aspects has been uh, more affected. So what sticks out in your review of the evidence so far is that the COVID-19 pandemic has undone progress in many dimensions for women, 
but the economic sphere is where women lost more. When it comes to job losses, gender mattered more than education, location, or generation. Women were more likely to lose their jobs in the first months of the crisis. The greatest impacts were observed in sectors where women are overrepresented. This led to unemployment and unpaid work in sectors like tourism, hospitality, and retail, sectors that in many countries employ mostly women. Javier Romero now speaks of the specific economic impacts in the Latin America and Caribbean region. What we find there is that women were 44% more likely to stop working at the onset of the crisis than men. And we also see that these effects were persistent over at least six months into the pandemic. One of them is, is the sectors in which women are overrepresented. Uh, many of these sectors were not simply suitable for uh, going with the social distancing measures, right? So uh, retailers and services and so on, uh, these, these are the kind of jobs that are going to be the most affected by a socially distant world. Then you also have issues of job quality. And some, some women, again, are overrepresented in the pockets of independent workers, informal workers, workers with no wages. Uh, which also relate to job security during this pan pandemic. On top of being more likely to lose their jobs than men, women also faced a dangerous outcome of the pandemic and its lockdowns, domestic and gender-based violence. Because it is such a sensitive topic, gender-based violence is a hard dimension to measure and get data on. For that, the World Bank has reviewed reports that looked at increased helpline calls, police registrations, and other service providers. Gender-based violence has clear long-term implications for women, their children, and societies overall. Javier, can you tell us a bit more about long-term risks from what you have observed so far? Uh, risks of, of long-term effects in gender equality, uh, not only for Latin American region, but I think in, in general, globally. We, we should worry about this. One of them, and the most obvious that we have been able to measure, is labor force participation and employment, right? The progress that has been done in the last three decades in LAC uh, and over several decades in, around the, the globe in general, we may be going back. And, and that means women out of labor force or women in uh, lower quality jobs. Not to mention violence. Violence against women have all sorts of effects, and it also can have intergenerational effects. So it's not only about the victim of violence, but it's also about the children uh, in that household, if there are any. Right? So we, we also need to think about those, those uh, impl implications. And if, if there are also effects in education, right? if there's effects in human capital accumulation, uh, especially for, for women, then this might mean lower wages in the future, and this might mean uh, lower economic re returns for, for women. So there is, you know, a whole breadth of potential uh, long-term consequences. But I want to emphasize that we need to think about how to avoid those long-term negative con con consequences and, and make it about inclusive growth. Now, Miriam, do you have any other thoughts from your end on long-term effects? What we've, what we've really seen 
so far with the data that we that we have at hand is that the, the gender gaps that were that predated the, the pandemic, those have widened. So I mean, to oversimplify in countries where you where uh, where uh, labor force participation or economic activity of women was a big problem, you see these gaps widening, gender based violence increases, etc. So across all the different dimensions of gender equality, we've really come to see, I think, the progress that we have observed over the last decade or so, not stall, but really be eroded. So I think there's, there is a substantial risk, actually, that this has long-term consequences if we do not respond adequately. And I think the um, what's important also to, to register here is that so far we've only spoken about women and men in general, but we haven't, and that's difficult because we most of the times don't have adequate data, we haven't spoken at all about differences um, between women or between men. So how do overlapping uh, um, constraints affect different women and men differently? So what about age, um, indig uh, indigenous women, women in rural areas, etc.? So other layers of inequality may actually intersect with gender. And I think this is where we really need to focus the attention to going forward in the policy response. When it comes to poverty and vulnerable groups, more women than men across the globe live on $1.90 a day or less, according to a 2018 World Bank report. The same report found that 122 women between the ages of 25 and 34 lived in poor households for every 100 men of the same age group. According to that report, not everyone in the same household experiences the same levels of deprivation and therefore the same level of poverty. Evidence shows that often Vulnerable groups such as women, children, elderly people, or people with disabilities face larger deprivation in a household. Javier, how do you see the relationship between gender gaps and gender in poverty? I think that the relationship between gender gaps and gender and poverty is that it can lead to a suboptimal outcome for society. I mean, very likely it does, right? So let's, let's just think of society and then let's have a an important subgroup of society that does not have equal access to opportunities, right? Or equal access to produce wages or equal access to uh, productivity and to innovate. So then it is very likely, or political particip participation and voices, right? It is very likely that we are uh, missing a lot of potential talent and then potential wages and potential income. So, so it is very likely that because of gender gaps, we are we end up in an inefficient uh equilibrium, you know, the suboptimal outcome. As both Javier and Miriam have previously said, the COVID-19 pandemic has worsened existing gender gaps. When we delve deeper, we also find gaps within each gender group. Women across the globe vary from each other, and so do men. One global approach to fix gender gaps will not be able to reflect the breadth of experiences even within the same gender group. As gender intersects with other sociodemographic characteristics, such as age, race, income, ethnicity, and location, it is particularly important to take these characteristics into account when aiming to paint a more accurate picture of gender disparities 
in a specific context. If we can't respond to the gaps quickly, we'll face suboptimal outcomes for society. What can countries do, Javier? Uh, so some countries, not all, but some countries, many, uh, will have cash transfers already in place targeting women, especially women with, with children. So that's a population we may want to retarget during the pandemic because of the food insecurity issues that have been brought by other people, uh, because of the labor consequences, because of the losses of income, right? So we know these are vulnerable groups already. We could, we could target with the registries that are already there. But that's not the case in every country. So some countries cannot do that. And we may want to think a bit more openly and think, okay, maybe what we can target is a specific type of workers where we know women may be overrepresented. For instance, the informal workers or the independent workers or certain sectors. Do we have an ability in some countries to target those sectors? Um, you know, so ex expand the social coverage into, into those areas. And we also may want to think about ways of restarting businesses and incentivizing specific sectors where women, again, uh, can be found, access to credit, uh, supporting women ent entrepreneurs. But in the medium term and also in the longer term, I think we need to think about how the pandemic has been teaching us that we need to create higher quality jobs for women in general, right? Um, so if, if we think that there's, there's a chance for women to fall behind in, in in education, then we need to target that because we know it has implications for future wages. We know it has implications for agents in the future and so on. As the COVID pandemic widens the gender gaps, we'll begin to feel the effects unless rapid action is taken to reverse damage. Both Miriam and Javier discussed the vital importance of an inclusive recovery from this pandemic. According to their research, Educated policymaking will be crucial to recover from gender disparities and increase vulnerability of females and males. A strong and inclusive recovery will not be feasible when specific needs and interests are neglected and not proactively addressed. We'll need to work together to close these gaps. This is our episode for today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for regular updates at WBG underscore poverty. We'll be back soon with more updates on poverty, stories, data, and analysis from the World Bank Group and its staff around the globe. Never miss an episode by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe.